Hello and welcome to today's edition of Family Life Today, hosted by Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine. Family Life Today is presented by Power to Change, known in the US as Family Life. We hope the program will encourage you in your most important relationships. I'm wondering if any of you moms can relate to this. I have a confession. I wish that I was a better mom, a better wife, a better friend, a better Christian. I wish I was better at reading my Bible, disciplining my kids with grace, and keeping my house clean. I don't have to be perfect, but I always wish I was a little bit better. I think every single mom relates to that. I hate to tell you, dads do too. Do they? Welcome to Family Life Today, where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Ann Wilson. And I'm Dave Wilson, and you can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on our Family Life app. This is Family Life Today. I don't have to be perfect, but I always wish I was a little bit better you know hearing you say that i'm like i've felt all of those things Mm -hmm. uh probably in a different way but a similar way but i know i'm sitting in the studio with two moms and i'm guessing that you feel that all the time yeah and these words were written by maggie combs who's sitting in the studio yay maggie i don't think i've ever gotten a better introduction (laughs) you say that to all your hosts I've but heard Maggie's written a book called Motherhood Without All the Rules, Trading Stressful Standards for Gospel Truth. Oh, isn't that what we all need, too? And Maggie is the mom of three sons. Maggie, how old are your boys? They are 10, 8, and 7. Married to your husband how many years? Uh, 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've lived this life, and you wrote these words. I mean, those are the opening words of your book. <laughs> yeah. And I read them as well, and I'm like, okay, I've heard my wife say almost identical. And I think all moms feel like they're failing at times, or they're messing up, and we live under this suffocating blanket of mom guilt. So let me ask you, Maggie, like, help us with that. Did you ever experience that? Every day. (laughs) Actually, I have a statistic in the book, and I think it's something like... 90% of moms feel judged, and 46% feel like they're being judged all the time. All the time. Hmm. I think I'm part of the 46%. (laughs) I had three boys in three years, and it was just chaos. I mean, full-time survival mode is just, if I can keep them alive, we have made it through the day good. Did you think it would be like that? (laughs) Oh, no. I think I was never one of those people who was like, I've always wanted to be a mom. But when I pictured motherhood, it was more like, well, maybe when my kids went to school, like going to get coffee with friends or like, (laughs) well, at plates, you get to sit and talk to your friends, right? Not when you have three boys in a row. You just have to keep them alive. And so I just was so overwhelmed by motherhood. It just kind of swept me away because I was a person who was just 
kind of like generally good at doing things, but also I avoided anything I wasn't good at doing. <laughs> and you know how they're like, mothering's just really natural and you're just like instinctual. That is not how it was for me. And it was the first thing I had to do in my life that I couldn't quit that I wasn't good at. <laughs> I was forced to face my own weakness in motherhood and I wanted so badly to be a good mom. And I just had to survive this season by God's power alone. And then I got to the other side of the season and it did start to get like a little bit easier. I took a deep breath and I thought like, now I can be the good mom. And so I had written this book that was all about embracing your weakness. And I started to be like, well, no, I'm going to do this by my own strength and just strapping those rules back on that would help me be a good mom and just paying attention. What makes other women good moms and how can I be more like that? And don't you think so many moms are doing that? Because you're plagued. We are all plagued with social media today. So we're comparing ourselves to millions of moms and we strap that guilt on and wear it. Yeah, it's just social media and even because it's permeated so much of our thinking, even our friends, we're so quick to give each other these little hopes, these little ideas. And we think like, you're struggling with motherhood right now. That's okay. You're a good mom. Then moms put their hope in that and they wear that. Suddenly that becomes a burden because we can't all be good moms all the time. And so... What happens is we pick up these things from society that are supposed to give us freedom as moms, like just go be your best self and pursue your dreams. And really, they become burdens that we have to bear because they are not the gospel. And what moms need in this really hard day-to-day -day life isn't those nice platitudes online. It is the gospel itself. And the gospel is always countercultural. You can almost depend upon it. If it's popular, if someone would put it on a wooden plaque and sell it at TJ Maxx, it's probably not the gospel. <laughs> and so we have to start paying attention to what are these stressors that we have taken on because when we don't live up to those things, that leads to shame. Mm. Not living up to all the standards of the world is not sin, but we wear it like it is. We wear it like it's shame upon ourselves that we couldn't live up to that. When our standard is God's truth and his way, and the best news is that we don't have to be perfect at it because he made a way where there was no way. God knows that we aren't going to be perfect moms. That's why he sent a perfect savior. And living in the truth of that we can grow to be not perfect moms, but better moms transformed by the mm. power of the gospel. It's funny that you say that because I remember this one day getting in our car, our minivan with all three boys because Dave's the pastor of the church. Minivans were awesome. Yeah. So they're all, you know, I think two of them were car seats. They were all probably five and under. But I mean, I was yelling because they're dropping their stuff. They forgot things. And honestly, I was just frustrated with myself. I looked terrible. I felt terrible about myself. And she I, was actually probably frustrated with her husband. That's where it all stemmed <laughs> but from. But I remember I'm yelling, <laughs> looking at myself in the rear view mirror as I'm looking at them behind me. And I'm thinking, I am the worst mom. And if someone said, you're such a good mom, I would think, no, I'm really not that great. And if you saw me in these conditions, you would think, like, she's crazy. It means, like, you can never be honest with your friends yes. because you 
want them to think you're a good mom. <laughs> so you don't want to tell them, like, if I share this with them, then they will know the secret. Because <laughs> what everyone, the secret is out. You're probably not a good mom day to day by your own power. But by God's power, you can be a holy mom and you can be a gospel fueled mom who is saying like to her kids, I messed up today, but that's why God is good. Like, come along with me. Let's see the God who saves us when we mess up. Did you live in that condemnation and guilt? Did you carry that? I think I carry it any time where I'm not fighting not to carry it. It's just so easy to pick it up again. I think Paul Tripp says no one speaks to yourself more than you do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching the world go by and I am just thinking, thinking, thinking. When I'm not renewing my mind with the truth, I'm always headed back to those other things and to what the world has told me, you know, it's like when Paul is like, I don't do the things I do want to do. And then I do the things I don't want to do. I just feel like, oh yeah, that's motherhood right there. And that's Romans seven. But the good news is we get to move to Romans eight. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so It's a battle. It's a daily battle, and you can't expect to just win it and be done. There are some things that we can just have that God really frees us from, but I think that battle to choose grace instead of shame that you are heaping on yourselves, because we talk a lot about mom shame in our culture. We talk about it coming from other places, right? Oh, they're mom shaming on the internet. They're mom shaming that celebrity over there. I got mom shamed at a mom's group that I met with. But the biggest amount of shame comes from inside of us. Mm. It's the voice inside of us talking about what we see about ourselves. And the scariest thing about that is that so often we can start to think maybe that's God's voice. Exactly. And that God's condemning us. God is condemning us. What is it about... And maybe I'm wrong because men do this as well. But I often hear my wife and now you, Maggie, and other women, they carry so much. When you're on stage and you're speaking to women and you put on bags and you start walking around, this is why I carry. They're cheering. They're like, that's my life. Well, again, I'm not saying men don't do that, but often I'm like, oh, those kids are fine. They're good. And you're like, no, they're not. I feel this. I carry this. Talk about that, because I think that's universal for moms. Maggie, it was interesting. I gave a talk to moms at one time, and I was saying, like, you can see me, and I look like you, and I look like any other person on the street. And then I turned around, and I had (laughs) taken these, I don't know, I can't remember how I got them to attach them. I think I had taped these dolls, these little miniature dolls. Actually, I taped them. She Did had you do me it? tape them. Yeah, it was, it he was remembers. On the back of my jacket, and so I had all these little dolls on the back. I said, every single mom has her children attached to her at all times of the day. And so at night, when we put our kids to bed, they're in bed, <laughs> and Dave's laying in the bed free, and he's asleep. <laughs> I have my children attached to me. And I'm going to add this, too. This happens with adult children as well, because we think they're like, oh, they're little. Of course, they're attached. But when they're grown, I'm still worrying about them, thinking about them, mulling over the things they're going through, praying for them. I think that that's a difference between some men and women, not all. 
I'm thinking about my children right now. (laughs) My husband texted me about something going on at home, and I'm like, what's happening there? But I think actually one of the first rules that the world gives us, these stressful standards, is everything depends upon you. And I know my first night in the hospital with my first baby, they gave me that baby, and I thought to myself, I'm responsible for this. (laughs) And I never had this with any of my other children, but he spit up amniotic fluid the entire night and I called a nurse and she's like oh yeah it's fine just take one of these blue you know those blues yeah like squeezer things and just like suction it out every time he does it and I was like okay (laughs) and he did that for the entire night long so I did not sleep I sat there with my baby and I'm working the suction because I'm thinking I have to keep him alive and then from that day forward I've worn that, and sometimes I've worn it like a badge. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See these children? I keep them alive. <laughs> Give me the praise. I am awesome. <laughs> and sometimes it's such a burden because when you have been told that everything depends upon you, you have to be in control at all times. In any circumstances where you feel like that you are out of control of the future of your child, makes you an utter failure. Yeah. So I think a lot of the feelings of failure come from that. Yeah, explain the uh, stressful standard because you have those throughout your book. And at first glance, I'm like, okay, what do you mean by that? So a stressful standard is anything that the world tells us we should do as moms. Moms are given a whole (laughs) list of shoulds that range from like, how to choose their preschool, what kind of food they should be eating, how much screen time they should be doing. What kind of sunscreen to put on them. Yes, and it's like you get to fall kind of on this continuum of how good of a mom you're going to be by how many shoulds you can live up to. Yeah. Here's another one I just want to make sure you hear, and you make sure your husband is your priority in front of your kids. Okay, keep going. Absolutely. There are plenty of marriage (laughs) shoulds as well. (laughs) And the world tells us like, well, you should also take care of yourself first. (laughs) And you should probably do something outside of motherhood. And it's like, I'm just drowning in the ones about motherhood. And now I also have to do ones that are taking care of me. And every single one of those stressful standards, the problem with it is that it puts us at the center of the universe. Mm. And God needs to be the center of the universe. When we are at the center of the universe, guess what? We're not very good at being in control of the universe. But we have someone who is. So, Maggie, talk about that because I'm thinking about you with these three little boys under four. And that's the stage of parenting in life where you can barely catch a breath, let alone study your Bible. And you're talking about bringing the gospel. And Jesus and the gospel is enough and more than enough for us. What does that look like? You know, how did you learn how to do that in the midst of drowning in diapers? I think that, first of all, I'm still not perfect by any means. And none of us are. Right. But I think that I learned to do it because I needed the gospel so badly myself. And what I found was that godly motherhood that I longed for so much only came as a result of spending time with God. Hmm. I couldn't exhibit the fruit of the Spirit to my children by my own willpower. I can only do that by being 
in the spirit by connecting with God every day. And no, it doesn't have to look like 40 minutes of inductive study at the beginning of your day. (laughs) Okay. There are lots of ways that we can meet with God and it does look like getting in your Bible and in God's word, but that looks different in every season and spiritual disciplines look different in every season. But the point is never to check those things off the list. The point is an intimate relationship with our savior, because when we are experiencing his grace and forgiveness every day, it is so much easier to give grace and forgiveness to our children. When we are preaching the gospel to ourselves, it's so much easier. It's on the tip of our tongue when we're preaching to our children, right? Mm -hmm. Then we're not preaching moralism to our children. We are preaching the way of the gospel, which is, I am weak, I am a sinner, but God is strong. God is holy and he has made a way. Is that what you mean by motherhood without all the rules? Yes, absolutely. And so like God actually gave us good rules in the Bible, but those rules, the purpose of them is that we can grow to be more like our holy savior. The Mm -hmm. purpose isn't again, to just check them off the list or earn our salvation for ourselves. The purpose of those rules is that we can live a godly life to honor and glorify him and also to be in unbroken relationship with him. So you uh, talk about saturating or marinating, it's the word that came to mind, with the gospel every day. You've got three little boys. How do you do it? Because your life's crazy. Like walk us through it. What's it look like? Well, And it will look different for every person. It depends upon the season, of course. So right now for me, it's like first thing I do is I read a psalm every morning because I know like I can get that in. So you're up before the boys? Right now I have been, but I am not one of those people who's like, I get up at 5 a.m. every day. That is like, I love sleep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so during the summer, I'm able to get up before them more often, but during the school year, I usually can't. And so it is like reading a psalm in the morning. That just takes a minute because I wake up every day with a really hard heart. Like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) I don't want to do this following God thing. Like, I want to do my thing and I've got my list of stuff that I want to get done today. I don't want to hear that, like, God is changing my circumstances because I was going to go meet with a friend and now one of my kids is sick, you know. And so I have to connect with him right away in the morning or the whole family feels it. And so I do that right now through getting the Psalms right away. And then when I have time, Lord willing, later in the day, I'll go back and do some more deeper study somewhere else. But it's also through memorizing scripture by putting it at the kitchen sink. I mean, how many times a day do I go to the kitchen sink? It can be listening. If I don't have time to get to the Psalm in the morning, just listening to the Bible. And guess what? Then your kids are hearing the Bible too. And that's so good for them. And just building in routines in your day. Like when I take a shower, I'm just going to pray for my kids. Like you're having trouble praying for your kids. Just connect it to something you already do during the day or while you're brushing your teeth. What can you do to build those spiritual disciplines into your daily routine? And I just think moms are really smart people. We can figure out how to run this whole family and keep everything afloat. And then we get to our quiet time. We feel like, oh, I can't make that happen. I think we're discounting moms. Moms can, if they take the time, if they want to, they can make the space to be in relationship with God. Now, if they're struggling to want to, they still need to do it 
because it's only by spending time in God's word that you develop that desire to be in God's word. I think the longer we're away from God's word, the less we desire him. And I put into practice a lot of those same things. I think it's one of the sweetest parts of, I call it sometimes the desert years for moms, because it can feel so dry. It can feel alone. You can feel like you're in this parched land. And I've often said, I saw it as like, oh, this is awful. But I also learned how to relate and talk to and be with God in the midst of the desert. Like, oh, he's with me in this. He sees me in this. He loves me in this. And I feel like women, when they can figure out how to bring God into it, it's almost like Daniel being in Babylon. Like he would go to God to pray three times a day because he's in this place that they're worshiping false idols. And we're there too in a land today where we're not worshiping God. And so I would wake up in the morning and the first thing, because as you said, your heart can be hard right away, is God, I give you my life today. I give you the kids today. Help me to see the way you do, say what you would say and hear the way you do. Just that offering of ourselves as in Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, I offer myself as a living sacrifice, praying all day long, like at the dishes, and I'm praying out loud because our kids are learning how to pray and not just perfect prayers like, Lord, I'm so frustrated right now. Help me to have patience so that our kids are seeing a living gospel. And then also I did the same thing. We're listening, like in the car, we're listening to scripture and the boys are fighting in the back or doing whatever, but I'm like, and I don't mind. And every time we got in the car to go somewhere, I would just pray. And it became this beautiful lifestyle of worship. And I did miss my 45 minutes to an hour of just sitting in God's presence and God's word. But there was a beauty in it, like this phase that can be so difficult that God meets us right where we are. And what you're doing there is you are taking the focus off yourself. Yes. No longer building your own kingdom and focusing back on God's kingdom. And Maggie, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I had to replace all the negativity with the positives of God's truth. Amen. Because when I wasn't doing God's truth, I was like, my life is horrible. I have no life. Look at their life. Compare, you know, you get into the comparison mode, oh, the negativity. That. You just feel overwhelmed with your life. And then I would feel guilty about it. Like, I have this gift of these three kids. And so I think that's how the gospel plays out. It is exactly as you said, like, We just meet with him where we are in our brokenness, and God fills us and allows us to live out the beauty of the gospel. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson, along with Bob Lapine and their team, for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. 
We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at radio at powertochange.org.au. Our website is families.powertochange.org.au where you can check out articles and many other resources on marriage and family well-being. We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today.